We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Shines like the sun in 
True. 
So 
says let everything that have breath praise the lord so if you're breathing this morning you have something to be praising about right amen, amen. Oh 
someone this morning. Uh, if you're new, go ahead and fill out one of these connect cards on the back table. And good morning.
Good morning, everybody. I got it. I got to yell. They don't. They don't listen to me. <laughs> it's all right. No big deal. Amen. All right, time for tithe and offerings. So if you have something today, go ahead and prep it. Um, if you need an offering envelope, wave your hand around. One of the wonderful ushers will help you out. Amen. And your giving today is, is appreciated. And your faithfulness to the church is always appreciated. Um, but as we give, we give in faith. Amen? Amen. It's a life of faith. And, and, and uh, all of the things that we do in response to who God is to us is just connected to a life of faith in him. Because we believe, right? And how many know, we say this all the time, but it's always good as a reminder. How many know that God is your provider? Amen. And he, he will provide in all things. You lean on him. And allow him to be who he is. So, I'm going to pray over your tithes and offerings. If you have something to give today, you can bring it on down. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come to your house and continue in worship today in our giving. And Lord, we, we come uh, of people who, as, the, as scriptures say, the righteous live by faith. And we, we thank you for the righteousness that you have uh, given us because of your work on the cross. And, and But we want to live by faith. And we want to live according to who you are, and, and as your word uh, teaches us to live, and, and I pray we do so. And as we give today, Lord, I pray Lord, that it honors you, and it's a response to the wonders of your provision in our lives. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. Bring it on down if you have something today, and then I have some announcements to roll with while you're doing that. Don't forget, uh, church-wide prayer Mondays from 6 to 7 o'clock. This is a big thing right here. Listen. Tomorrow night, church prayer from 6 to 7 is at the new place, all right? So we're going to start praying our way into the new building, amen? amen. And uh, so if you come here, nobody will be here. So 6 to 7 uh, at uh, the church on Walnut Street. So that's tomorrow night. Uh, let's see. Youth, young people, 5th to 12th grade. Don't forget, March the 21st, two weeks from today. We're going to be hanging out for a while after church. So parents if, or, or guardians, if you have questions about that, you can see me, and I'll, I'll give you a little more info about it. Uh, back on the back table, there's a yellow sheet. Uh, if you haven't got one already, we're, we're into uh, the lead-up to Resurrection Sunday, which is going to be a, a great celebration, right? Uh, but there's a, a scripture reading plan. It's a 40-day scripture reading plan. Even if you missed the first uh, uh, week or week and a half, whatever it is, you can jump in and pick it up. It's just a focus on what, what is the big moment of the Christian life, and that is the death of Jesus and the subsequent resurrection of Jesus. Without those two things, our faith is in vain, right? So we, we need to focus on these things. It's certainly a foundation of our belief. So pick up that the back table. If you've never been water baptized, uh, we'd like to take care of that. As the scriptures say, uh, uh, that we, we baptize in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? It's part of our outward confession of what Jesus is doing inwardly. So if you've never been water baptized, or if you have questions about it, you can sign up at the back table, and we'll take care of that. And then also, uh, lastly, um, 
Good Friday, Easter Sunday. We have services. Uh, Good Friday service is 6.30 uh, p.m. on uh, Friday, April the 2nd. So I think we got the early Easter this year. So April 2nd is Good Friday. And then Easter Sunday is obviously uh, on the 4th of, of April. And uh, those, by the way, are the first services in our new building. So we're, we're progressing and we're getting there. So, so the biggest celebration is Jesus. And a secondary celebration is we're in our new building. So it's, it's going to be a good time. And uh, certainly uh, we want to take time to focus. And I think uh, next week, uh, the Sunday messages leading up to that, we'll, we'll focus on the cross and, and uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus. So uh, having said that, um, we are going to have another work day this coming Saturday at 10 o'clock. I'll tell you more Wednesday uh, what's going to be happening about that. So if you can be with us this Saturday, great. If not, it's fine. Uh, and we'll get there. And I think... Two weeks from today, so the, well, the 21st, the 22nd, that week is, is kind of our, our move week of all of our gear. So what's going to happen is that week we're going to move our gear, and, and then we have a Sunday service that will be pretty much an acoustic, no sound, uh, live stream, it'll all be moved, so that'll be fun anyways. And then that following Wednesday before Good Friday, we won't have Wednesday service, okay, because we'll really be trying to get ready then Good Friday will be over at the new building. So sound like a plan? So we'll let you know more about that as it's happening. Having said that, let's get in our word today. So if you have your Bible, get it out, your phone, whatever, whatever you get into the word on. I know we put the scriptures up on the screens uh, normally, but I encourage you to follow along um, with your personal Bible if you brought one. So I'm, I'm going to kind of pick up a little bit here. We've been following kind of, kind of a loose uh, 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 kind of thread here. A couple weeks ago, um, we jumped in at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus when he proclaimed, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. And we talked about what repentance is all about. And, and uh, sometimes, I'm not saying they're hard words in scriptures, but they're words that, that can have a harsh connotation to them. But they're not really harsh if you, if you really get behind what they mean, right? So when Jesus says repent, we think of that as a hard calling, but actually it's a calling to new life. Amen. Because when you repent of sin, you're not only asking for forgiveness, which, which is the avenue of new life, but it's also a reorienting of your life concerning that sin. Right. It's not just, remember we talked about cheap grace? Cheap grace is saying, hey, um, I want all your forgiveness, but I don't want to change. So often people ask for forgiveness for things they have no intention of changing in their life. And by the way, we know we can't change, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can change. We can't do it ourselves, but with his help, we can. So he, repentance is a call to new life. And it says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of heaven was inaugurated with the ministry of Jesus. And life within the kingdom is entered into and lived in in repentance because Jesus is making us new. And that's a good thing, right? So last week, uh, we kind of talked about the kingdom of God a little bit. And, and it was kind of like, if you can imagine the teachings in the Bible about the kingdom of God, it's like a swimming pool. All we did last week was kind of stick our foot in. There's, there's a lot more to dive in about, and sometime we'll get into it more. But, but we kind of laid a framework that the kingdom of God ultimately is a celebration because of what God is doing in you and with us together. It's a celebration that God has taken this mess and making it new. 
And ultimately, it's, 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 it's us, but ultimately it's the whole of creation. So all things are being made new, and you get a chance to be in on it. That's a celebration. Because God is not leaving you in your sin and your mess, but he is changing us and taking us somewhere. So we don't have to stay in our mess any longer. Now, is it going to be perfectly worked out before he comes? No. But is it going to be perfectly worked out? Yes, because he's coming again. But the entrance into being in on it is what? Repentance. Jesus is doing all sorts of good stuff, but you can stand outside and watch the whole thing and it never touched your life. You must enter in and participate in what he is up to, right? So that's the calling that we are to repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. Let's participate in not only the process of what God is doing in your life, but we get to be in on what he's doing in the world. So repentance brings forgiveness. Forgiveness brings healing. It brings freedom. And and what is that abundant life? When you think about when Jesus said, I've come to give life and give it to the four, give it abundantly, uh, we often think of outward things. It starts right here. Abundant life is here because of the freedom of sin. Jesus just doesn't forgive you of sin, but he, he wants you to be set free from it. Right? So, so why repent of something that you really don't want to be set free from? That, that's repenting for something you have no intention of changing. But when we know what, whether it's through, through our, our, our uh, learning and growing in the scripture or through uh, the conviction of the Holy Spirit or, or, or however it happens, we come to a place where we realize, you know what, that is sin. And that's not what the Christian life is about. And though it may not be easy to come through it and come out of it, we repent with the intention of changing from it. And then the the process and the help of the Holy Spirit can help us get there, right? So we don't stay in the destruction of sin any longer. This is the process of living the Christian life and following him, discipleship, right? So I want to jump into a couple words that are connected to that. So I want to talk to you today about the word holy. And then kind of close out with the word righteousness, what it means to be righteous. Now, again, these words... uh, just like the word repent can, can maybe in your mind come with a harsh connotation. Um, uh, maybe these words in your mind, immediately when somebody says about living a holy life, you think legalism. Or that we are to live a, a right life of righteousness uh, that, that we're going to, uh, uh, you know, set up. So, for instance, my, my, my dad and my mom grew up in a, a pretty strict idea of what holiness was in the particular uh, denomination they were in. So, uh, like, for instance, for my dad, um, playing cards, going bowling, uh, TV in general, you know, all these, they, no participation because that is being like the world, okay? Now, in, in its root base, there, there was some wisdom because of how some of those things can take you there. You see what I'm saying? But, but there is a legalistic, in other words, we have to earn God being happy with us and loving us. That's not true, right? We can't earn anything from God. That's legalistic thinking, right? But at the same time, it also doesn't mean that you can just do whatever you want and it's okay. That's not really repenting. 
So, so we find that, that there, there's a place here that God is taking us that through our, our growth in him and our understanding of scriptures and leaving the Holy Spirit, we find a way of living that is his way. And his way is a way of holiness and righteousness. Now, these words should not scare us. Just like the word repent shouldn't scare you. Repentance is a call to new life. It's not a harsh word. It's actually called a new life. Holiness and righteousness aren't scary words. But they're words that bring a definition to who we are supposed to be as believers. Right? So Leviticus chapter 19. Let's just start to put some definition into this stuff. Yeah, you ever been called holier than now? You, you just think you're just better than that. You're whole, you ever been called that? Now, let me just say this. There should be no place of spiritual pride in your life. So you, you, can, you can think you're all that in a bag of chips and, come, and, and really come across that way. You, your place of being in God and in a place of holiness and righteousness is not your place then to judge other people. If all you do is point things, judge, 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 you, the Bible says don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Am I correct? So holiness is not a place where you sit where you can look down, but holiness is that relationship with God and what he's making you to be. All right? So Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 2. We're jumping Old Testament to start here. We're going to hit probably five or six uh, different scriptures today, so get, get your fingers ready if you've got your Bible. Leviticus 19.2, it says, Speak to the, all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, So, let's pause here for a second. Who was what became the nation of Israel? These are God's chosen people. So God saw a world that was in sin and lost, right? And he is calling a people out to be his own. Right? It, it, a set apart people, calling a people out to be his own. Then we also we know if we follow the arc of scripture is that, that this is the line that gets to Jesus. Then Jesus opens up the way for anybody who would believe are his chosen people that are his own, right? But he's setting something here. So in other words, if you, if you, are, if you are a people that belong to him, that he is setting you apart in a world, watch what he says. Speak to all the congregation, the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, the word holy or the word holiness is found over 600 times in the Bible. You cannot hide from it. And it just, by the way, this doesn't stop at Malachi. That's just an Old Testament. No, no, no. It rolls right in to the New Covenant. So God is holy. It's one of his central character traits that he is holy. But, but what does the word holy mean? Let's just, let's just uh, bring some definition here. Holiness means to be set apart. It carries a connotation of, of, of sacredness or something that's sacred. Um, holy, holy carries this idea of otherness. When everything is like this, holiness is other distinct from. And you start to find, especially in the Old Testament, you see things like there's, uh, you find uh, the holy ground. Remember Moses at the burning bush? Take off your sandals where, uh, you, where you're standing is holy ground. So you see like holy ground, the, the holy assembly, the holy Sabbath, um, 
a holy nation, holy places. These are things that are consecrated to God. In other words, set apart to God. And, and they, they carry sort of a divine designation. But in its base, holiness is set apart. But it also rolls into this idea of a character trait in regards to sin. All right? So set apart by God. But it also has to do with sin and, and, and separation from sin. Now, again, that's not a, a harsh thing to, to talk about that we, need, we should be holy people. That's not harsh in designation. What it means is that we are to be set apart in God, and our life should be a life that is, that is coming out of sin. Nothing harsh about that. But God is holy. As a matter of fact, what does it mean that God is holy? Is that God is other. And in God, there is no sin. So again, holiness is, is one of the central character traits of who God is. Now, God then intends for us, for, for people that, that claim to believe and follow him, to understand the difference between holy and common and clean and unclean, what is sin and what is not sin. Because he's taking us out of something. So why stay in it any longer? We are called to be a holy people. A people in our understanding that we are set apart, not, not in a prideful way, but in other words, that we will not live in, in a fallen way of a lost world anymore by the help of the Holy Spirit. That's who you are. By the way, when you are forgiven, the moment you are forgiven, made a new creation, you're, you're holy. You know that? You, you've been designated as a sacred thing by God, and you have been set apart. And, and you think about it in more common terms, now you are part of the family of God. You're adopted into who he is, Right? But, but there's a response to that, which we want to get into in a little bit. But holiness is for us. Forgiveness opens the way, right? You cannot do this on your own. We, we say that all the time. You have to lean on the Holy Spirit. Forgiven, new creation, now we live in it. So holiness marks out the character of his people. So 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's just... Uh, Let's just emphasize that part. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 13. End of the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 1. And we'll start in, in verse number 13. And here it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded... Set your heart, hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, this is brought to you. You can't do this on your own. And the fullness of it is at the return of Jesus. Verse 14. As obedient children. That, okay. Now again, the Christian life is obedience. Listen, I, I would love to say, and, and we'll show you in just a minute why this isn't true. I, get, no, I wouldn't love to say it because of the damage of it, but, but I think people, some people would love to say that, that if God has forgiven me, then I can just do whatever I want. It don't matter because God's grace is, is there. 
and, and this, this, this big grace thing is just an opportunity for me to do what I want, think I want, act how I want. No, the Christian life is following Jesus in obedience. We, we, can't, we can't sugarcoat Christianity to make it whatever, or it's not Christianity. You see what I'm getting at? So in obedience, as obedient children, verse 14, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. In other words, in, where you were lost. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So it is something that, that is in forgiveness in you, but your conduct will reflect it. Right? Now, your conduct doesn't earn anything with God because you can't earn it. That's legalism. But it is a reflection of what God is doing in you. This is important. Watch what it keeps on saying here. Verse 17. And if you call on him as father, now watch this, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. In other words, while we're waiting for the return of Jesus and the finality of the kingdom. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So we live in mind because there is judgment for our deeds. Is that correct? And there's things you cannot get away from in the Bible. Again, to sugarcoat this thing. Well, do what you want. It's okay. No obedient children because there is judgment. Is that correct? We can't just do what we want because grace is there. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. But grace opens up a way for us to live in him. Now, does this mean we're all going to be perfect? No. Shake, shake your head. No, no, no. Does it mean we don't have things to work through? Yes, we got things to work through. Right? But this, this living out of this new creation that we've been set apart in is the obedience of the Christian life. Okay? Now, let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse number 1. Let's just make a point here. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1. Paul writing to the, to the church in Rome. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So in other words, since grace is there and grace gives us what we, what we don't deserve, and in, in, in the grace of Jesus we're forgiven and find freedom, but since that grace is so wonderful, should we just continue in sin so we can have more of it? Watch what Paul says. Paul's response to this, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the what? Notice the words there, that we can walk in what? Newness of what? Where? Not just there, right? But where? Here. The newness, you know what the newness of life is? Holiness. 
righteousness. In other words, the newness of life is, is set apart and living in the abundance of life, freedom from sin. That's the newness. of What, what, is, what is new life? Life, uh, life and sin is death and destruction, stolen, being killed and destroyed, right? The newness of life is freedom of abundant life. That, that's what holiness is. It's not a hard word, but holiness is another way of saying abundant life, Right? That we're living a life in a certain way in regards to sin that we are being saved from, coming out from under. It's a life in response. We should be people that are walking in newness of life. Sometimes the walking out the newness of life is a struggle Sometimes it's a little hard. Sometimes there's no easy button to it. But that's why we have the comforter, the counselor to be with us, to help us. That's why as a church, we, we help each other and bear one another's burdens, right? We don't judge, but we help. And all of our imperfections. Yeah, we're not perfect people. But you know what? We are learning to live this newness of life together. That's what's wonderful about us together. You know, together we're kind of a messy people, aren't we? Is that true? But it's okay. Because you know why it's okay? Because Jesus is here. And if Jesus is with us, we're going we're gonna to get into this right here, the newness of life. Now, that's holiness. Holiness is the abundant life that we're finding in Jesus. It is a consecrated way of living. So by the scriptures... And by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we continually learn what sin is. There's the obvious big ones. You know, I, I, I haven't, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I've never murdered anybody. I've stayed away from a big one, right? You, know, you can think of what you consider the big ones, right? I haven't embezzled money from nobody. You know, I'm, 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 I'm I haven't done the big ones. I've done a lot of ones. You may or say little ones, but they're still sin. Amen. It don't matter. They all, they all come to the top, right? But in living in Jesus, this, this constant growing of awareness, you know, and, and grow. And by the way, there's some of you that you may have a certain conviction I don't have. You live by your conviction. We can talk about that stuff, but don't judge me by your conviction. You, there, there are certain things that you need to really stay away from because the, Jesus knows it'll, it'll pull you through. So, so, for instance, remember I said about my dad and, and the kind of very strict he grew up in. So let's say that it was really true that, that for my grandpa who set those rules, that playing cards was not good for him. It was a conviction because of the draw to gambling in his life. You say, oh, that's just silly. For him, it's not. For me, big deal. You want to play go fish or play whatever. But for him, that's a no-go. That's his conviction. And he's lived by it. You see what I'm saying? So, so the point is, that there, are, there are things that are common to all of us. And we have certain personal things because of our, our life experiences, because of certain personality traits we have. There's convictions we have. We've got to live by those. Again, the Holy Spirit is leading us to abundant life. And I guarantee you, by the way, any of your personal convictions, you don't need it. 
It's okay. You can have a happy, wonderful, great, fun, enjoyable life without whatever that is. Amen. As a matter of fact, it's abundant life to you not to have it. But you have to work that out with the Holy Spirit, right? So we don't stay in sin. We're being called out of those things into what Jesus intends us to be. So let's look at something. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 20. We're going to hit a couple of verses here in Matthew and a couple more after that. But I want, to, I want to draw something out. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 20. Sermon on the Mount right here, picking up a, a mid-thought uh, and, and a, a run of Jesus of things he's saying here. And, and he says in verse 20, Matthew 5, 20, For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's a scary thing at first thought because what did those guys do? They, they believed that, that the Pharisees had this idea, and, and their, their motivation and how they lived was not necessarily incorrect, but their application was wrong. The Pharisees believed, as did the nation of Israel, that even in the time of Jesus, they were in a certain exile. So if you read the Old Testament, Israel would get in sin, then they're conquered and taken away, and they're in exile. Then there'd be repentance, then there'd be some sort of restoration. It was this constant pattern in the Old Testament, right? They believed because of Roman occupation, they were still in exile. And following the pattern of the Old Testament, what they've seen in their history, they were in exile because of sin. Any time in the Old Testament where the people really fell away and God brought judgment, they ended up in exile somehow. They believed because Romans were occupying them that they were in exile because of sin. So the Pharisees thought the answer to this was, if we live perfectly, God will come and restore us. So hence all the rules. The Pharisees lived by tons and tons of rules. Why? To keep sin out of their life. It was, it was legalism. And they believed by living by all these rules, God would notice them, hear their cries, and come deliver them from their exile. Does that, does that make sense, what I'm saying? But Jesus says, if your righteousness doesn't exceed all, all the guys who keep those hundreds of rules, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I look at that and go, wow, those guys live by a lot of rules. Way more than I live by, how can my righteousness actually exceed that? That's, whoa, that's, that's a lot. But, but Jesus gets to the heart of the matter, what that is. Matthew 23. Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 27. And here, here comes here's this list of woes here in, in Matthew 23. Jesus kind of telling it like it is. Matthew 23, verse number 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. All the rules that the Pharisees kept were just outward ways of looking righteous, but it never changed their heart. How does my righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees that kept all those rules? That we have to understand that our righteousness is based in here and not how we look out here, although our righteousness will be played out out here. 
If it's not in here, you can live all, all holy and stuff out here and look righteous and do all the right things you think. It don't matter. You, you can be like, remember, remember the, uh, the guy who prayed spiritual pride? He said, Jesus, I, I do all this. Uh, Lord, I do all this stuff. I tithe. I give. I do all these things. And, and I'm glad I'm not like that sinner over there. And the sinner wouldn't even come up and look up to, to Jesus. You know, wouldn't look up to heaven, right? And, and, and it said, forgive me for my sins. And, and Jesus said, they were praying to God, but Jesus said, who went away justified? The one who kept all the outward stuff in a religious appearance or the one who came with the heart? It was the one who came with the heart, right? So... Holiness, righteousness, and we're given righteousness in our forgiveness, is right in here what is that abundant life. What happens is when you try to live this outward, in other words, you put on a mask, outward holiness, trying to live up to things, but it's not really coming from your heart there's not really the abundant life that Jesus has. See? Don't need to fake it out here. Live out what God is doing in you and through you. And over time, things will start to, to marry and line up. You know what I mean? But if it's not really changing you, then what good is it? In, in the eyes of God, it's not. It's just, it's just, just play out here. So we're called to a place of righteousness that's inwardly that, that, that comes out. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll close up. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's see, verse number 24. I'm sorry, Justice. Let's, let's jump up to uh, verse 22. It says, to, to put off your old self. Ephesians 4.22, put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Put it off, but be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. We put off the former way of life. We put on the new, which is like our, our holy God, right, and his righteousness, by the way, righteousness in Scripture, when, it, when you talk about God and, and Jesus carries the connotation of his faithfulness, he is faithful to us. And our response is to learn to be faithful in return. But we're called to a holy life. But don't let that word scare you. It's not a scary word. It's a word of abundance. It's a word of new creation being lived out. It's a word of coming out of a former life of sin into the newness of life that God has for you. That our righteousness would surpass that of the Pharisees because of what God is doing inside. You're not full of dead people's bones and all nasty stuff. God is making you new, and he's digging down to the deep, dark corners of your life and bringing newness there. He's not just cleaning it out, but he's growing something new there. Right? 
And then the expression of things, what will start to come out, growing. Like, like, like uh, the Bible uses so much, like the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit grows, right? These things begin to grow out of your life. And, and through this living and following Jesus, this life of obedience. Again, obedience, what well, sounds harsh? No, we're following him in obedience to abundant life. You've got to get that in your mind. It's abundant life. It's not rules and regulations and holding you back and not allowing fun. It is abundant life. And he knows what's best. Do you believe his way is the best way? Yes. Then follow in obedience. And see the abundance that will constantly come to you and, and, and stages of your walk with him and revelation and new things and new places, all these different things that happen in our walk with Jesus. This new creation made of salvation being lived out. His way is the best way. He knows. He's trying to take you there. So we're holy people, right? We have been set apart. We're holy people because we are being brought out of sin. Because why did sin separate man from God in the first place? Because God is holy. And the holy God will not dwell with sin. But thank goodness Jesus came. And he opens up the way back to the holy God. And he brings absolute forgiveness. And all you do is ask, and, and he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and, and remove that separation, right? So that, that right relation. You know what? Righteousness means to be right. Right with God. Made right inside. It's, it's, it's correct. In other words, things are being corrected. That's what righteousness is about. Let's be conscious of this. When you repent and rethink your life based on Jesus Christ, and you'll start to think about things that you're involved in that are not holy. You'll start to think about the things that influence you away from holiness. Right? And you rethink your life and you start to say, so, so for instance, when I first got saved, you know, I had some people initially in some places that I just couldn't be around because they would influence me. Not, not severing a relationship necessarily for me, but, but it was, I can't go hang with you Friday night because I know what I'll end up doing, you know, and it won't be good. So, so I've I got to start rethink my life. But what's wonderful is, is then, then a testimony coming back to those relationships. That's cool. To share even in very imperfect way, this man, God is doing something. It's, it's so cool, you know? And now, now comes testimony, right? Rethink your life. What, what things, I mean, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. What is there things in your life that you know this is not lending to the life of holiness? Holy Spirit, help me. And I'm going to get through this. Influences that, that take you away, not, not, not all it's not like everybody that I'm friends and associated with is, is Christian, but I won't allow, be yoked in a way that, that influence pulls me. See what I'm saying? That's right. So you have to think about these things. What things are, are not to be there? Because God is holy. It's not a joke, and you can't just brush it off. And he's calling you in obedience to be holy as he is holy. 
then, then in the strength of how he's growing you, then we go be a light to the world because the influence isn't dragging us back in. Then we have to go to the places that need him, right? Part of the reason that people can't go be a light of the world because they're not growing strong enough to not influence when they go there. You see what I'm getting at? We, we got to grow, be strong, so we can, we got to go be the light of Jesus. I'm not saying we don't separate ourselves and never interact, but we go be the light. We have to. We need to. They need, they need the light. But, but you have to be growing in a place that you can go. You see what I'm getting at? Holiness. Let, 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 let's be people who are set apart. Let's be people whose righteousness is surpassing that of the Pharisees. Not rules, but life change right here. Amen? All right. Let's, let's close out today with partaking of, uh, of communion if you want to get this out. One more verse, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, if you would. You guys notice Christian back there running the, the Mac today. He's doing a phenomenal job. Thank you, Christian. Did great. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. And, and it's Paul um, talking about the partaking of, of what we call communion. It says, For often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So with that, we say, Christ has died. Amen. But Christ has risen. Amen. And Christ is coming again. Amen. And we proclaim this death because of what it means until he comes. We will never, as, as a body of worldwide body of believers, if Jesus comes on Tuesday, we did it till he came. If he tarries another thousand years for whatever reason, we're going to keep, keep taking. Because we proclaim his death and what it means until he comes again. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your, your broken body gone to the cross for us. Willing sacrifice in our place taking all of our sins into you on the cross. You knew your mission and you didn't go from it. Even in Gethsemane, when you, when you prayed, if there's another way to do this, yet not your will, but the will of the Father to be done. We thank you so much for taking our place on that cross. And Lord, Lord, it, how to repay, we can't. But we can learn to be faithful. We can learn to follow. We can learn to, to, to do what you're leading us and, and, and asking us to do. But that, that's a small response to, to what you have done for us. And as we partake of, of this symbolism of, of your body, broken body, we take today in remembrance of your sacrifice. Let's partake together.
And Lord, that what came with it was the shedding of your blood. As, as the sacrificial system that had been played out for a long time was only a foreshadow of you, the perfect sacrifice, it could not complete what you came to do. For the shedding of your blood offers the final sacrifice, the blood that washes away all of our sins and in which we stand. For every sin, for, for, for how many times, no matter what, that nothing is too great or too much that your blood and your sacrifice cannot cover. So we ask today, once again, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Please forgive us our sins. Forgive us in what your blood affords us. We thank you for forgiveness. And in that freedom to live an abundant life. So as we partake of this cup today, we, we do some remembrance of the shedding of your blood. Let's partake together. And if you'll just stand up right before we close, just if you stand with me this morning, just if you want to raise your hands up just for a moment, just thank him. Thank him for what he's done for you. Thank him that, that you can be called to a holy life, a life of righteousness. Thank him for that because of the abundance that comes with it. We praise you, Jesus, and we worship you. We thank you so much for what you've done for us. All the things that we know we cannot do without you. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the ability to live in you now and, and what is to come. We are forever grateful. We'll not take it for granted. Won't live in cheap grace. But we'll follow you. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. 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 So how about this? Before you go today, on your way out, love a couple people. Maybe, maybe there's somebody on your way out you can pray with. Um, uh, encourage today. Do so. And if a couple of you guys that like to pray for people, my, my son may have ripped his ACL at soccer the other day, so he's asking for prayer today. So I thought, man, I can do it, but I'd love for the guys. Any of you guys want to come on and jump on him? And it really needs to be good because he's getting married in four months. He doesn't want to have to limp down to the altar. So if you guys want to pray for him, come on down and do that real quick. Nathan, come on down.